श्री श्रीदाजी को पाओ की जाए गोरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए भक्तवृंद की जाए बहुत प्रेम आनंद If we were to take the statement that the absolute cannot be described in words captured in words in a entirely literal literal sense then pujapachita mars reasoned that the punishers themselves would be suicidal because hmm? that itself is a statement about the absolute so therefore the godi vaishnavas wisely um, interpret the uh, such statements um to mean that there is not enough that you could say about the absolute as much as you say you can capture the absolute in that but it doesn't make the effort to do so useless or all the words spoken about him um useless and it's not that the upanishads say that you cannot capture and reach words return from there and that the sutra say something different the sutra says ikshater nashabdat and it depends how you interpret that hmm? so of course the godi interpretation is that there's a double negative ikshater nashabdat hmm? that um which more or less means that there's not enough that you can say about the godhead hmm? and of course when we speak about the godhead we are also um focused on the determinate feature of the absolute which which means it has qualities characteristics and so forth as opposed to the indeterminate absolute brahman another face or feature of the absolute that really what can you say about it hmm so when the focus is on brahman as the supreme manifestation of the godhead and as shankar does the personality of the god at bhagavan just becomes a lesser manifestation of that brahman as a focal point um for sadakas in in this world that has no expression in ultimate reality which is formless and qualityless and so on and so forth then um you know your statements that 
um, words fail and so forth seem to hold up a little bit more. What can you say about something that has no qualities? It's indeterminate. Of course, what they do say is 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 quite a bit about what the Brahman is not. It's not this, and it's, it's not that, and so forth. Um, but we, on the other hand, then uh, don't uh, insert that interpretation into scripture, or uh, insert this idea of two tiers of of Brahman. A indeterminate Brahman, Nirguna, and Asaguna Brahman. This is a total... The way Krishnadas Kaviraj characterizes what Shankar has done in his commentary is is to say Vyas Branta. It's a very strong statement by Krishnadas Kaviraj. He says, Shankar is saying that Vyas is crazy or that Vyas doesn't know what he's talking about. Let me tell you. There's two tiers of Brahman. It's not in there. He inserts that. Hmm? I think it's maybe in the 18th sutra of the first, Adhyayi, the first chapter of Vedanta Sutra, 17th or 18th, where in his commentary he implants this idea. Hmm? But it's, it's, it's not in the scripture itself. And then he you know, goes on from there. And so all the descriptions of the the determinate absolute with qualities and leelas and form and so forth are all relative. Hmm? Um, they're part of the nama rupa, names and forms of the world, so to speak. On a higher level, they're very sattvic, hmm? and they have some power hmm? for to focus on them if you have to. Hmm? Or if you're an emotional type of a person, that's so often how, it, how it's inter- interpreted, and, and so on. Um, but of course, uh, again, that that's uh, not taking it to use Prabhupada's phrase as it is. <laughs> um, and if you do, then you have uh, much that you can say that is positive about the absolute, rather than merely being able to define the absolute by negative statements. It's not this, it's not that. And when you have an absolute that is indeterminate and you define it by negative statements, then the idea that you can't speak about the absolute and capture him by by words seems maybe a little more applicable. Hmm? That said, of course, when we speak about uh, Bhagawan, his qualities, forms, and so on and so forth, his leelas and whatnot. As I often say, um, these are incomplete descriptions. Um, this is trying trying to put into words an experience that transcends mind and transcends uh, language. But what that does in turn is makes those words as imperfect and, as they are, or that even the whole philosophy that arises out of such Epiphany experience. Let's you know look at the Bhagavatam. What, what do we find? That um, we find that Vyas wrote the Bhagavat Purana along with other Puranas, or had them edited, or whatever. I, I think the Bhagavatam describes him as the chief editor, hmm? compiler. Vyas means compiler, so he compiled 
these sacred texts, these sacred sounds, and reflected on them, you know, the Shruti, the Smriti, and so forth. And included in that was the Bhagavad Purana, but he was feeling unsatisfied, according to the Srimad Bhagavatam. Hmm? The Srimad Bhagavatam is telling the story of how he was turned back to the Bhagavad Purana, his final work, to rethink it. It's like, I passed this on to the editor, and the editor said, go back, we need a rewrite of these paragraphs over here, and these chapters over here, and so forth. So this is basically what Narada told him. Hmm? Uh, that this was the perfect place to do it, the Bhagavad Purana, hmm? but you haven't done it. What is that? You have not, in no uncertain terms, underscored the efficacy of bhakti. Hmm? Uh, whereas gyan, karma, hmm, are clearly delineated in all the texts. So this is the place to do So that's why you're feeling un- unfulfilled, that your, your work is not complete. So he went back, and how did he do that? Well, Nara told him that you're qualified in so many ways, and the, the, the description of his qualifications is given there. And as such, samadhinanusmratadviceshtitam. You're qualified to sit in samadhi, in meditation. Hmm? So don't go and do that, hmm? given what I've told you. Then come back and rewrite it. Hmm? And that's why we call it samadhi basha. Basha means language. So it's the samadhi language of Vyas. So he went into samadhi, and his samadhi, of course, is described in the Bhagavatam itself, in the seventh chapter of the first canto. What he experienced is described. And he saw Bhagawan, and he saw his his Swarup Shakti, like the moon and its shine, which couldn't be separated from one another. He saw the Maya Shakti. He saw the Jiva Shakti, covered by the Maya Shakti, and he understood the remedial measure for those jivas covered by Maya Shakti to be Bhakti Yoga. Hmm? What is that verse? Um, anyway, so, uh, if we, 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 Jiva Goswamis looked very carefully at that description of what Vyas experienced in his trance, and then he said, well, this then is how to understand the Bhagavatam. It came out of the trance. This is what he experienced. So you might read a verse in the Bhagavatam here or there and think it's saying this or that, but you have to look at it in the context of the samadhi of Vyas. Hmm? And there we find the grounds for the metaphysic of the Gaudiya's Achinti Beda Beda. Hmm? Because, again, there's Bhagavan and he has Shaktis. Shaktis are one with him and different from him. There's the Maya Shakti. There's the Jiva Shakti, there's the Sarup Shakti, in two forms as as kind of making the lila go round, hmm? and as the remedial measure. Hmm? So its its reach is very high, and it extends itself very low, hmm? and it can do that because of its power. Hmm? I was responding to some of these people about this. Iskan issue about female gurus upon request, and and uh, 
somebody made the point, well, you know, Devahuti has said that she was not very intelligent, being a woman, and, and therefore unqualified, and so forth, when speaking to her son, Kapila, who then responded to her and spoke very um, uh, important section of the Bhagavatam about Uttam Bhakti. Hmm? So he said, therefore, you see, women are less intelligent, they're in the lower modes of nature, and so it's very rare that a woman would be able to, harder for her <coughs> to make progress and so forth. But I said that Bhakti, she, by the way, goes wherever she wants, and wherever she goes, hmm, her efficacy is not encumbered by the situation into which she goes, if, that is to say, what you say is actually true, and that interpretation of what you're reading in the Bhagavatam is accurate, which I don't agree with. Hmm? Uh, in fact, women are more attracted to bhakti uh, than men, but even if they were somehow lesser beings, <laughs> uh, that doesn't, it doesn't become a problem for bhakti. Hmm? That's her power, right? So she's very high, post-liberated, and very generous at the same time, reaching very down to anyone and everyone. Maybe even animals, right? Without examples in the scriptures of bhakti. Liberating Gajendra, for example. And the other examples are there. So, and of course, I'll just go on for a moment because I was preoccupied with that before coming over. If, if it were so that it were harder for women to attain, let's say, ruchi and men, and therefore rarer, that doesn't mean when they attain ruchi, like men, they have to wait till they attain prem to be a guru, which is what they say. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Do you follow? Anyway, it's a side point. Point being, relative to the talk, the efficacy of, of bhakti, the power of bhakti, I mean, uh, we have repeatedly stressed the point that it's a central point to um, our, our teaching. Bhakti has the power to overwhelm Krishna. Krishna is the absolute overwhelmed by bhakti, turned into a son, turned into a friend that can be dealt with on equal terms, turned into a lover, hmm? who's subjugated hmm? by 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 bhakti, by radhika, that kind of dhiralita, that kind of lover, that kind of hero within the Indian aesthetic. There are different types of personalities and heroes. So, so would speak of her power to dispel maya. So anyway, he saw bhakti as the remedial measure. Hmm? So Jiva Goswami is very wisely centered on that and and brought out there, for example, in his Tattva Sandarbha, that this is the Chinti Beta perspective. Hmm? And so, in that perspective, uh, Bhagavan has eternal form, eternal qualities, so on and so forth. And, um, and so there are many statements about him that are positive descriptions of the nature of the Absolute, rather than merely having negative statements. He's not this and he's not that. That's, that's true as well. Hmm? But then we shouldn't, we shouldn't think that the positive descriptions... Are literal in one sense because they are an attempt again to put 
the samadhi of Vyas in the Bhagavatam itself hmm, into words that don't do justice to it. So he's trying to do justice. And he's using poetry, which I often say is a language that expands possibilities. Right? Hmm. Again, my analogy or whatever. In poetry, the moon can have wings and fly across the sky. It's not a problem. It expands the reality. And as I often say, as human beings, that's what we're all trying to do, is expand, make the space bigger, more accommodating. That's what we're constantly trying to do, because the self does not fit within the confines of time and space. And you could make a cosmological argument for that too. I was just reading one by Andrew Lind, a Russian um, uh, cosmologist at uh, Stanford University in California, making an argument for consciousness existing independent of the observed world. So, at any rate, The, the words describing Krishna, the Leela narratives and so on and so forth, are trying to put into words something that transcends them. But we shouldn't now take that statement to minimize the words because they're, they're coming out of a samadhi. So they're powerful words. We can't just go, well, I'd like it to be different. I'll, I think the Leela should be like this. I'll make it up. We'll go into samadhi first. <laughs> Then come out and talk to us. Have the experience. Then come out and talk to us about it. Hmm? You, you, uh, uh, so, so, um, so I, I don't think there's a contradiction between the Upanishads and the Vedanta Sutra, but there are different interpretations of the Upanishads and and of the sutras, which seek to show that the Upanishads are giving a concerted uh, teaching rather than just. Um, as some people think, uh, uh, independent statements here and there that don't come together into a into a theology. And actually, the Vedanta Sutra is the first form in human society, first effort in human society of what we call theology, to reason about um, the scriptural the, the revelation. In Europe, we find theology in relation to the Western um, revelation, the, the Jesus, the Bible, and the, the Testaments, and so forth, came came quite a bit um, later. They have a good body of theology there as well. But theology is to reason about, or in relation to, revelation, its significance, its importance. Philosophy, on the other hand, is, can, is to reason unhinged from revelation. So, that's a whole other subject. But at any rate, uh, the power, then, of the Bhagavatam, positive descriptions of the Absolute, even though they don't do justice. If we want to talk about Sakya, or Madhurya, or Batsalya, our Acharyas take some poetic license and and... Uh, use that particular genre of 
uh, writing, poetry, which, as I say, seems appropriate because by its nature it expands the reality, hmm? makes it bigger, possibilities that otherwise wouldn't exist, which is what we're looking for. Everyone's looking for for that, hmm? living for that, living for those moments that we stretch stretch the envelope and make it make it bigger, go faster, go farther, understand something new. So, there's much to be said. That's the, the Bhagavad idea. We cannot say enough about the absolute, can never capture, the, the example is given of what? Anantadev is said to have thousands of, millions of heads, all of which are speaking about every pastime, about, about you could say, Thousands of heads speaking about one aspect of one pastime, he cannot complete it. He cannot do justice to it. Hmm? It's like if I go and see a, a, a movie and it's just really moving, or I see something in nature that's very astounding, and I want to come and tell you about it. Hmm? But if I've seen it and it's really moved me and I'm excited about it, I try to put it in words, but almost as if the words are secondary to my excitement, and you may not even understand what I'm saying, I might even be, not, might even be coherent. But there's something about, he's seen something. So, I'm moved by that, and compelled, and I will go in that uh, that direction. Not that our Acharya's words don't make sense, and so forth, but if sometimes they they they, 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 they lack coherence, or, well, he said this over here, he said that over there, well, well Vyasa says, that's not a problem. That could be. Hmm? He says it in Bhagavatam, hmm? or was it Nard? Nard says it. Hmm? Who's speaking Nard there? Yatadvisargo, Janatavagibhipavo, Yasmin Patislokam, Mabadhavadhyapi. Even if there's some uh, literary fault, hmm? uh, that's a, a kind of a minimalist way of talking about it. After all, the right in Sanskrit uh, poetry, that's quite an accomplished uh, type of authorship. Mm-hmm. And to do it for 18,000 verses, there might be a, you missed a, didn't cross a dot or dot a T <laughs> in, in the course of that. Or you could extend the idea that it, basically it's saying, there might be mistakes in the Bhagavatam. That's basically what the verse is saying. Even though there might be mistakes in the Bhagavatam, don't take those mistakes seriously. Hmm? Hear, feel what I'm saying. Hmm? The house is on fire. <laughs> hmm? Prabhupada sometimes would give that kind of example. The house is on fire. It's a three-story building. And on the top floor, they speak Spanish. On the second floor, they speak French. And on the first floor, they speak Italian. Hmm? And there's an English guy <laughs> outside, English-speaking guy outside, hmm? or in the basement, let's say. <laughs> and so someone is shouting out in Italian fire, someone else is shouting in Spanish, someone else is shouting it in uh, Portuguese, and the guy in English understands it. Hmm? Something's going on, and I better pay attention and get out of here, something like that. So there are mistakes in the Bhagavatam. It says it itself. 
So when you when you run into them or you, you think you have, and it says this over here, it seems to say that over there. Well, there's some some room for that. And even if there was, it was perfectly said and perfectly written and perfectly reasoned and 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 so forth. Still, it doesn't do justice to what it's speaking about. And that's exciting because what it's speaking about is pretty. Just the words themselves are just very powerful, very moving, the descriptions. Um, the Bhagavatam is so special because it focuses on the feelings of the Leela. You can find descriptions of the Leela in other Puranas, like one, two, three, four, four, this Leela happened, then came this one, then came this one, then came this one. But to go into the feeling of them, that's what the Bhagavatam has done. Therefore, nigamakalpaturogalitam phalam it's for rasikas and it's uh, intoxicating uh, the ripened fruit of the tree of the Vedic wisdom. Hmm. Again, the Samadhi Bhasha coming from, from Vyasa. Now he has to translate, as I sometimes say, love. He just went into love. He just fell in love and then he tried to explain it to some children. Never had the experience. But there's a good example for you. What am I going to do? How does it? What's it like? How's it like? You just fell in love. What's it? What's it like? I fell the other day. Hurt my leg. <laughs> well, it's not like that. <laughs> what do you say? Right. So this is the the burden then of Vyas. So he has to translate love, which is the language. It's not like the Leela's is. The language is Sanskrit or Brijbas or Bengali. Hmm? That's just an outer casing. The language is is love. That's all we can. What's that? Well, yeah, <laughs> that's the point, <laughs> hmm? right? Hmm. Yeah. And so he, now he's going to translate love into into reason. So you, you, there, there may be something lost in the translation. There will be. But nonetheless, the, the reason can be compelling enough and saturated with, with love. You know, I often say you've got to use your head to soften your heart. Hmm? So, you know, he, he's done this. He's got a soft heart, and now he's got to translate it into a hard, you know, hard head. So to speak, into, into, into reason, and philosophy, and and so forth. Sometimes it's not; it's just descriptions of Krishna, right? Of course, it's theology, but but at any rate, that's the, the task. And he, you know, objectively speaking, he's done a very extraordinary job. The book is extraordinary, extraordinary. The Bhagavatam. Um, as with regard to sacred texts, mm-hmm. it's tight tightrope walk that I often say that it's doing between Aishvarya and Madhurya. Mm-hmm. He's God, but he's like this. Yeah. It's a very extraordinary uh, work, mm-hmm. and and he's couched it in a Puranic setting. So then he's bringing in things from other Puranas like the cosmology, cosmography, and these type of thing, importing them in. Mm-hmm. But that's not what it's about, per se. It's for regarding the objective world. It's it's about that the fact that it's it's uh, it's not what it appears to be. 
there you go. Who can argue with that? Well, what is it? Well, it doesn't matter. It's not what it appears to be, and you're functioning it in relation to it in a way that is other than what it is. It's, it's, it's causing confusion. The real picture is you're, you're thinking, for example, that you're part of the objective world. Well, you're not. So, come out from that. Right? So it's, uh, it's, uh, um, it's an example of the fact, the statement that you cannot uh, go there with words alone. Empowered words, Jiva Rupa Goswami makes the point that in mundane poetry, in Indian aesthetics, rasa, which is the soul of poetry, is experienced through poetic expression. But you cannot experience rasa of the bhakti type, which is otherworldly, bhakti rasa, through poetry. Because bhakti rasa doesn't come from poetry. Therefore, what did Chaitanya Mahaprabhu say? What does it mean? What else? You missed something. Na danam, na janam, na sundarim, kavitam va. Va means or. Kavi means the whole realm of poetry, the whole beautiful explanation of typology, <laughs> typography, typography. And why do you use this one? font and not that font as we were hearing earlier whether to have a ragged edge or a justified edge and uh, refined it was very attractive right subtle created aesthetic that 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 enables you to enter into the text that much more these are all poetic or artistic uh, uh, devices right Certainly, the Goswamis employed all types of poetic device and everything to, and, and, and plumbed the depths of that genre of language that they were using to couch their, their experience in. But Mahaprabhu made the point in the Shikshastakam that this, because the original authors on Indian aesthetics like Bharat and uh, Vishwanath, not Vishwanath Chakravartyaku, but Sahitya Dharpana, Vishwanath, the mundane poet, and so forth. They made the the point that through poetry, drama, and the arts, you can be sitting in one place but be displaced from there and transported into the emotion within the drama or within the poetry. And they likened this to Brahman. Hmm? Transcending, so they, 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 in a sense, they gave some power to poetry hmm, for attaining uh, transcendence. I mean, they, they didn't say it exactly like that. Read poetry, and you'll become, you know, Brahman realized or something like that. But, but 
countering that hmm, from the point of view of uh, bhakti rasa. Bhakti rasa is is is, is 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 different than the rasa of um, mundane poetry. As as refined as that is, as like oh, subtle as that is, and and if it's done right, you know, you you just get this kind of you get kind of removed a little bit from from the world. It's like it's supposed to be like. Some epiphany, like let's say, let's say, for example, let's say you you go into nature, you come to Audaria, and then you go and you you see the redwoods, you walk in the redwood forest, and suddenly you're displaced. You feel like I'm the object; there, the trees are the subject. Without thinking about it, you get this. You normally here I am, I'm the subject. Everything's the object. Suddenly, there's these objects that are so big; it's their place. And I'm just here, hmm? and there's, it can be a shift, an epiphany, or or you, you climb to the top of the mountain, or you 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 drive to from Audari out to the coast. It's about eleven miles, and there, suddenly you go through this forest. Suddenly, the ocean and the cliff, and, right? So people in nature, it's common that people have. Some epiphany. Sometimes materialistic people, atheistic people, say, "Yeah, I've had that kind of epiphany," and people call it spiritual. But you know, and it's nice and everything like that. This is what Krishna talks about in the Bhagavad Gita when he says, "Among trees, I am the redwood. Hmm? Among bodies of water, I am the ocean." Hmm? Um, and he mentions so many powerful manifestations of nature. It's not that it's only those, but what he's saying is any powerful manifestation of nature that has the power to to create that kind of epiphany, like, wow, that's something beyond me, bigger than me. The world's bigger than me. And it causes this shift. Hmm? That, he says, is a manifestation of me. This is just the very beginning idea experience of something like so you can get something like that let us say from poetry hmm? was their was their idea so Mahaprabhu was making the point hmm, that Rupa Goswami makes later in detail in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu and he says you cannot get the rasa that I'm talking about Bhakti Rasa from poetry why? because Bhakti Rasa comes from Rati Rasa comes from Rati Rati means bhav. Bhava is Premasuryamsu Samyabhak. It's a ray of the sun of Prem, Bhava is. And Bhakti Rasa is in Prem. It's the perfection of that stai bhav. So 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 we can get rasa from Rati. Where will we get Rati? From someone who has Rati. Who has Bhav will pass it on. That said, he goes on to say, but if someone who has Bhav tries to put his or her Bhav into poetry to express it, that will indirectly be a cause of bhakti. Hmm? Now it's become empowered 
it will be an indirect cause of bhakti. Still the rati is causing it through the medium of the poetry that he's reposed, or she's reposed the bhakti in. So it has power. So we should, in, in, in saying as we should, that even the descriptions of Krishna shouldn't be taken literally hmm, in all respects, or the leelas. What we mean to say is that they're more than that. Hmm? Sometimes you, you, people just memorize the leelas hmm? and then they're confining Krishna to that. Hmm? He can only be like this, he can't be like that. It happened like this. One time in Iskon, many years ago, some devotees started a game. It was called the Krishna game or something like that. So you know, you have these game shows on TV and somebody asks, you know, okay, we've got ten questions for fifty dollars. What category do you want to choose from? Dwarka, Mathura, or Vrindavan? So they created a game like this. I'll take, uh, I'll take, uh, you know, Mathura for, you know, one pakora. <laughs> Something like that, you know, from the Sunday feast, you know, from the Krishna's play, the Mahaprasadam. Okay. And then the question, you know, <laughs> and then, so that, so then they would study the Krishna book and, and memorize the, you know, the descriptions there. Hmm? It's like this, and it's not like that, and, and, and this is, yeah, so on and so forth. So they would do this game, and then they, they thought that this was like meditation. When Prabhupada heard about it, he said, this should be stopped. Hmm? This should be stopped. Hmm? Then they run into, you know, they do that, and they run into problems. They think it's just committing this certain particular description to memory. Then when, when they find it's narrated differently somewhere else, well, wait a minute. How could it be too, you know, that, that then they get su- such a literal approach as can be, eventually, can turn into a, a faith crisis for some some persons. And I've, I've seen that, that happen. Hmm? So, it's important to emphasize the non-literal nature of it, while at the same time emphasizing the power of the words and the fact that it's the best description we've ever gotten if not the only description hmm, of fraternal love of God, hmm, of romantic love of God, of parental love of God, where in any other tradition are there such descriptions? Hmm? <clears throat> only in the Rag Sampradayas, and especially in the Gaudiya Sampradaya. Dasyabhav, that's, you know theistic traditions. Christians have some idea of Dasyabhav, Ramanujas, Madhvas, and so forth. Hmm? Yeah. In the Nimbarka, that's a, that's a, that's a Ragmarg Sampradaya, but there's no Vatsali to be had. Right? There's no fraternal love to be had. So, anyway, so, so that's why Anyway, so the go even the, even even in in the Ragmarg Sampradayas like Pushtimarg or or Nimbark Sampradaya, the Gaudiya commentaries on Bhagavatam are invariably cited by anyone who's giving a Bhagavat discourse. Hmm. So objectively, we we wouldn't give an objective yardstick to support our subjective <laughs> convictions. Hmm. Um, we're open to other possibilities, but 
we have, we have what's happened on earth, the dispensation from the Buddha, from, from the Christ, from the Muhammad, from what's his name? Chief Seattle, Native American, or this one or that one. What we've heard, we look at it all and we appreciate it all. And, and, and but here is something, a very rich vein. So we'll take those descriptions very seriously, and they're descriptions of a, of a reality that that transcends even the description. It's bigger than that. There are more friends than the ones that are mentioned. <laughs> there are more gopis than, than, that are mentioned. There are more possibilities. Hmm? Yeah. And so forth. Hmm? It's a, a region in relation to which, a teaching in relation to which, to use Pujapachita Marsha's uh, language, that we, we are students, everyone is a student forever. There we find Krishna, the supreme Godhead, uh, in 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 a existential crisis. That that is that is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, what possibilities lie there? So the so the language is 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 as powerful and potent as it is limited. <laughs> Something like that. Hmm. We're fortunate to be in touch with such uh, such such texts and so forth. Now, of course, modern world and to today's world. Here we are in you know in in, in Latin American country. Um, we're talking about sophisticated, uh, very sophisticated Sanskrit poetry that has been employed by our acharyas to describe. Leela and theological make theological points and philosophical points and so forth, and without knowing the language, how are we going to be able to take advantage of that fully? Hmm? And it's not easy to learn any language to that level, right? Hmm? To go and write English philosophy in good in good English or or or, or, or poetry. Hmm? That's a that's a that's an accomplishment. Therefore, they have degrees in in languages, right? You can get the PhD in in in, in your language. So, in Sanskrit, is a particularly uh, I guess complicated language. You you could say. So we're fortunate that 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 as I said earlier, rasa comes from rati. So if someone gets rati. They can take those. They can take those ideas and and put them in 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 our languages, in, whether in English or in Spanish or so forth. And and that's and with the same hopefully level of um, poetic genius device that that draws you in to, to give you. Some um, greater potential, and, and we employ the to- to- topography and so forth to, to, to bring every uh, modern 
you know, how we're going to write the book, right? What size it's going to be, what font we're going to use, whether it's going to be justified or ragged edge, or, and so on and so forth. All these things, we'll employ all of these things, and they'll all be saturated with rati, would be, be the idea. This is what the Goswamis were trying to do, so to replicate that, uh, ultimately. And, and, and in order to do that, of course, we needed advanced abilities to, to, to do so. so. So what I'm saying is you could take a translation of Govindadli Lamrita, and, and, and it would be difficult to read that unto itself and for the average person, or even less than average person, and be able to be drawn into it as much as was the intention to draw people in on the part of the authors, using the language of the time, losing the culture of the time, using the environment of the time to bring in analogies, and so on and so forth. That's why Prabhupada would say things like, to put it in a kind of a cruder way, hmm? at one point he was asked about his Bhagavad Gita and he said, well, use, use uh, Dr. Radhakrishna's translation and the purports are what is important. Hmm? And then Prabhupada said, somebody said to Prabhupada, one of his editors, but that would be plagiarism, Prabhupada. Prabhupada said, well, it's not, it's not Radhakrishna's words, it's Krishna's. <laughs> Dr. Radhakrishna was, a, was, a, was once the Prime Minister, I think, of India, and he was, a, he was a devoted person, and he did a translation of the Gita and of the Upanishads. He had an Advaitin kind of perspective. So. But uh, the point being that Prabhupada said his purports were, were his, which he called what? What did he call his purports? Emotional ecstasies. So these are my emotional ecstasies. So I reflected on this. I got some feeling and I'm writing. Of course, Prabhupada's writing it in English, which is not his first language. Hmm? And that's why he wanted very first... He wanted his, his, his own English edited into the best possible English. That's what he wanted. Hmm? He wanted... The, it to be understood and then then and give the liberty to his English speaking disciples to turn it into the best possible English and also design that's what he wanted he didn't want it because it was designed like this in India it should be designed like this in America no. he wanted the total up to date everything I mean we didn't know how to do all that stuff and 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 um, I think, you know, I agree that was once a professional editor or something like that, you know, or English teacher or something. You know, that was the closest he got to. I don't, I don't think Jai Dwaitaswamy became an editor, edited education. Maybe he did. I don't know. But anyway, limited. And they were also limited by their awe of Prabhupada and not wanting to change any word, you know. He spoke it. It's it's the absolute truth here, you know. Um, just let's just correct the grammar. That's all. Hmm? 
so there was no substantive editing that they did, they weren't capable of doing that not being familiar enough with the material and not having that type of rapport um, with Prabhupada hmm? being like children before a grandfather you know who knew everything <laughs> they were just like being told I mean it was a good disposition they were in but that was, you're supposed to grow from that hmm? Like I'd say, I say sometimes, what I see, unfortunately, is that a lot of my godbrothers and godsisters, they're adults in every sphere except Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Hmm? So they speak like adults about other things, other topics. You see them on Facebook. But when it comes to Gaudiya Vaishnavism, Prabhupada said, you know, don't change, don't add. Don't add. And, and, you know, they're not using their adult sensibilities to to contribute and serve Prabhupada in his words and say, well, he obviously said that then, but, you know, this is now and this is what how it should be presented now, given, you know, these circumstances and, this, and, and using their intelligence in this way. They're, they're shut down on that, that level and they do him a disservice in themselves. He once said, and I've quoted this before, that my children are my grandchildren are coming, but my children are not coming, and this is I feel uh, lacking because of this. What he meant by that is, well, I'm seventy, seventy-five, hmm, as he was, hmm, uh, and nineteen, eighteen, twenty, twenty-two-year-old, year-olds are coming, but there's no fifty-year-olds. Fifty-year-olds aren't coming. We've got a brain. Who <laughs> you know? Who some experience? Even forty, you know. Who hmm. have some experience in the world? And then it, and there's nothing that there's nothing that can replace that. You can be as learned as you want as a teenage genius, but if you haven't gone through <laughs> the school of life, you know, for a couple more decades, you're going to be lacking some wisdom, right? Hmm. So. You know, those kinds of people. And you can see, if you listen to Prabhupada's talks on, in Bombay, and when he walks along the beach in Bombay, there's a series of talks. And to men his age, or the age of it would be his children, 50-year-olds, are with him. And they're also Indian Hindu Hindus, and he's converting them, or they're attracted to him. And so they, and so they reply back, and they're, they're, they're countering, but Gita says this, you know. Prabhupada's arguing with them at the... And they, 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 we would never say that, you know. We would never respond like that. But they were able to do that. And Prabhupada's arguing back with them and making the point, eh, okay, that's good, you know, so then we look at it like this. Then. And so he wanted to have that kind of energy, especially in the West, where he was trying to figure out what was going on over there, how they think and how they move. And so, so he lamented, my grandchildren are coming, but my children are not coming. Well, it's not over. Hmm? So now those children are grandparents and they should be using their wisdom, their human experience and so forth in their adulthood in Krishna consciousness, not remain as children. That doesn't mean that now because you're older, advanced, but you've got a different head to think about it with and you've got experience and you've got the ability to look and see... This was said then, this is probably why, this was what was happening then. This is all such considerations that 
need to be um, brought up to understand the teaching and and to and to continue it in a living way, in a dynamic way, and, and so forth. Hmm. So there need to be new books, new authors. They don't have to apologize for writing because, I mean, I back to you know what I was preoccupied at the moment for the moment before coming here when I was talking about this women gurus issue. Uh, the way I got asked to get involved in that particular thread was that something that I had offered a couple of years ago was a, a list of, I think about a half a dozen or more lineages in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Lokanath Swami, Goswami's lineage, which is the Narutam Party Bar, this one and that one, um, uh, and a list of, in this lineage, from the time of its inception till now, uh, there have been this many women gurus and this many men gurus. The bottom line, it was like 30% women gurus, 60% men gurus, but the point was that the, the question has been answered a long time ago in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Why turn to uh, the Brahma, the Madhva Sampradaya or the Ramanuja Sampradaya? And somebody said, well, because we're the Brahma Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya, therefore we should turn to the Madhva Sampradaya. I said, no, we should turn to the Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya. That's our own. And um, that was the point. Um, uh, oh, Right, so, you know, the list in published, so one guy says, can you tell me um, where this is mentioned in Prophet's books, which are the law books in the next 10,000 years? That's his reply. <laughs> I said, what are you, nuts? I said, what kind of question is that? That's what I said, what kind of question is that? Of course it's not in Prabhupada's books. Does that mean it's useless? It's information about the Sampradaya that you're in. It's useless? Because it's not in Prabhupada's books? You know, I mean, that's what you're dealing with out there. So it's pretty pro problematic. Hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, Prabhupada's, there's another one. You know, Prabhupada's books are the law books for the next 10,000 years. To make this a pivotal, pivotal point, hmm, to make this a foundation stone, is to take a statement that Prabhupada said of hyperbole once. Somebody said he said it hmm? in a car. Hmm? And it's not written, recorded anywhere, you know, in all of the things that he said or written anywhere. And this is going to be like... <laughs> and it's going to be interpreted, it's all done. These are the law books for the next 10,000 years. If it's not in there, you know, why should we pay attention to it? Who cares what came before it? Who cares what came, who came after it? Came to the left of it or the right of it? Hmm? I mean, this is just an insanity. If you want to see something that Prabhupada said consistently, is it, which applies to writing and books, is that Preaching has to be done in consideration of time and circumstance. That means it has to be ongoing. It means there has to be new books all the time to keep it relevant. That's what he 
He said that over and over and over again. That's just the opposite of this frozen idea as they take it. These, these are the law books of the next 10,000 years. Even if you want to take that analogy of law books, as I've said before, well, law books are books that we cite in court, for example, to make our case in a new instance. Hmm? You know, okay, to kill someone is illegal. That's the law. Okay. Well, here, Your Honor, uh, he killed someone, but it was an accident. Whoa! So, how are we going to deal with that? You know, the law said over here, hmm, accidents are one, you know, the law said over here, killing, now we've got to put accidents and law and killing together, and we come up with a new thing, and a new, and a new law is written, right? Because a determin new determination was made given a new circumstance. So, even if you use the analogy of law books, and you understand it in depth, <coughs> you come to a dynamic understanding of the scripture, which can never say enough about the absolute. Hmm? And, and speaking about it in new circumstances, on new planets. I mean, this is a different planet that we're living on now, practically speaking, from the, from the planet of 1960. Just look at the movies from the 1960s. <laughs> it's, like, it's like another planet. And I was there. I looked at it and go, well, that, that we were weird. Or, you know, <laughs> that was different, you know. I like some parts of it, but, but, you know, the way people thought, the way their brains were wired and so forth, hmm? the, the, the level of education or miseducation, you know, it was, it's, it's, it's drastically or dramatically different. Hmm? So the need for ongoing discussion, speaking, hmm? yeah. never say enough. That's my answer. What's the time? Any other short point in relation to something I said that may require addressing? Daji Gopal ki jai, Pari Vashtam Guru Parampara ki jai, Gaur Bhaktavrinda ki jai, Gaur Premanandi. Thank you.